Talk Radio 96.7. It's time to leap headfirst into the ozone. The Ozone Tonight brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. Let's do the show, Ronnie O. All right, Ronnie Ocean here in the studio all by himself right now. Coach Joe, as I understand, got snowed in in Aspen. He was on the Clarkster's Learjet and was frolicking with some snow bunnies. But wait, wait just a minute. <clears throat> Is that Coach Joe on the phone? Coach Joe, are you with us on the phone? <laughs> no, I'm on route. I'm actually uh, I'm on the ground on the land. I tailing it back from South Florida, where I was uh, protesting the continued ownership of Stephen Roth of the Dolphins. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I should be there for the time for the next segment. Yeah, you win but, seven uh, or eight games and you get fired, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he won too much. You yeah. understand the Dolphins? Uh, Dolphins. Uh, he, you can't spell dolphin without an L. They're, they're not about winning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, man. They, were, they, they got too good. They wanted to tank more. They just like collecting draft picks and then, um, you know, then, then trading them for quarterbacks who, who, uh, who are, are ineligible to play. <laughs> uh, it's just a, just a terrible situation. I really thought Brian Flores was a good coach. You watch. He's going to end up at the Texans. They just fired their coach today. That's yeah, I my saw that. Of the day, Ronnie. I saw that he was one of the potential candidates there. Well, speaking of NFL football, the Bucks are going to host the Eagles in a wild card game Sunday, 1 p.m. Raymond James Stadium, noon pregame right here on WLKF 96.7. The Gators... 0-3 in the SEC for the first time since 1981 in basketball. They're going to go up to Columbia, South Carolina this Saturday. Tip-off is at 12.30 pregame. I mean, 1 o'clock pregame is 12.30. And then on Wednesday, they will host Mississippi State in Gainesville. 6.30 tip, 6 o'clock pregame. So the Florida Gators need to get things in order in their basketball they had a chance to tie against LSU and got it down to two points. They were down just two, and they looked like five guys that had never met before. They they must have – I think they shot six times, including two free throws, and didn't hit a one. Did you watch any of that oh, game, Coach Joe? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't take my eyes off it uh, even as much as I wanted to. Uh, <laughs> the the, the shooting was terrible, especially at the free throw line. And I think you're right. I mean, they're just they're they're not doing a good job moving the ball around, and the shots they take aren't very good ones. They're forced a lot of times, and they're not getting they're not getting the ball the good looks for Castleton down low or Deruji. You see it a couple of times, like when they rally, you see them working the ball around really good, and then getting an excellent shot, like layups and dunks. But then, then they'll revert back to uh, just try to heave it from from distance, and they're not a very good three-point point shooting team for a team that wants to throw it up there as much as they do. No, they really aren't, and that's sad because in today's game, you've got to have that. You've got to have those three-point shooters, and uh, every time the ball goes into Castleton, it seems like he's got two and sometimes three guys on him, and he's good about passing the ball back out, but the defense seems to be able to react to that, and he's not getting the shots 
that he needs to be able to carry the Gators offensively. And, and then they're terrible. They had a two-night free throw shooting, and they've been getting worse at the line. You know, they had a significant edge over LSU in free throws. They had all of LSU's good players in foul trouble. And the fact that they weren't able to win that game really was a disappointment. This is a good team. I mean, we saw them beat Ohio State. We saw them beat FSU. We know they play hard and they defend well. But right now, the team, the players they rely on for offense just aren't getting the ball in the bucket and killing the Gators right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Well, I tell you what, we got some good show coming up tonight. Coach Joe and I will be talking about some college football. We'll be talking about NFL football. And at the bottom of the hour, we're going to have Mark Wilson on, who played wide receiver for Vince Dooley for the University of Georgia. And he'll be talking about um, his career there and what it means for him as a Georgia graduate to win the uh, championship after 41 years of waiting. So... Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Ronnie. Uh, we go 0-3 in basketball in the SEC, and they win the national title for the first time since that exact same thing happened 40 years ago. <laughs> so, I guess if you stick, stick around long enough, you do see see it all over again, don't we? <laughs> yeah, history does tend to repeat itself, and it certainly has done that. And, uh, you know, Georgia's in position to win several now. Um you know, they seem like they tried to give that game away, but didn't work out that way. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, you'll have an opportunity to call in at 682-1430. That's 682-1430. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Coach Bowden, former Florida State head football coach. Be sure to listen in on Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone, warmed up, ready to go. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, that was the late, great Bobby Bowden, a guest on our show. We've had some really great guests. You know, on this date back in 1957, the seventh Pro Bowl was held in the Los Angeles Coliseum. The MVPs, there were co-MVPs, Burt Rechichar of the Baltimore Colts, a kicker and defensive back, and Ernie Stoutner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was a defensive tackle. <clears throat> you might remember Stoutner was one of those guys. He was You always saw him on Tom Landry's sideline. He was very recognizable. <clears throat> but Burt Rechichar was a really interesting guy. Played his college football at Tennessee. He played for the Browns, Colts, Steelers, and the AFL Titans. <clears throat> In 1953, his first NFL kick was a 56-yard field goal, which broke the previous record, which had stood for 29 years by Patty Driscoll of a 55-yard field goal. The interesting thing about Driscoll's kick was that Driscoll drop-kicked that 55-yard field goal. How about that? That's pretty amazing. And then uh, Burt Rechichar's record stood for 17 years until Tom Brady, Tom Dempsey broke the record. Well, Coach Joe's with us now, and um, we were talking a little bit about the Dolphins and uh, Coach Joe, let's let's run down this list of potential candidates right. for the Dolphins and let's just do it very quickly. And you say yes or no, you'd like to have them. Okay, Byron, we, we didn't Byron. get to do a, a mic check. So Eric, can I guess I guess can you hear me, Ronnie? I can hear you. Yes. <laughs> okay, but uh, 
I guess I guess uh, the audience can hear me now because uh, uh, I just just settled in as you were doing that this state in history. You uh, uh, mentioned Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich, yes or no? Oh, he'll be a head coach, and uh, the Dolphins are needing an offensive mind. So I wouldn't mind if if he ended up. He's done a great job with the Bucks. Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, I hear good things about him, but um, uh, I if if you have a choice, I take Leftwich over Bieniemy. But Bieniemy. Another really good coach. He does a great job with the Chiefs. I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a head Something's coach wrong. job yet. He must not interview well because he's interviewed several times, and you thought, well, you know, maybe that guy will get it. You know, I remember when he played at Colorado, and he was a great running back. But for whatever reason, Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator at Alabama. <laughs> you know, uh, he didn't do that bad a job at Houston before. Uh, I. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I can live with. I can live with that. Yeah, he's, he's a guy of the recycling bin. <laughs> yeah, you know, th- look, they have they had a really bright young coach, Brian Flores, and they 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 just they got rid of him for basically instead of worrying about winning, they were worried about uh, who's in charge, and and it's you know the the probably they won't get a guy like Bill O'Brien because. It, you know, Chris Greer, the GM of the Dolphins, he needs to be running everything. So they're more likely going to be trying to get somebody that they can. Yes, man. They, yeah, you know, and uh, and somebody they'll keep for a couple, three years. And, and it's a shame. The Dolphins are on a treadmill right now, and, and it do, they don't need to be. There's, right. It's a good young team, a good defense. It's, it's a shame. And Tua, by the way, is a really good quarterback. Josh McDaniels, another guy no, in the recycling no, bin. No, we don't want him. All right. <laughs> now here's, here's one that, that I really like, an up-and-comer, Kellen Moore, you know, who was the quarterback at Boise State, offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Very young, only 33. He would be the youngest coach in the NFL. So naturally you have to think, all right, he's 33. Does he have enough experience? And he's been an offensive coordinator, has not been a head coach. Right. That, that's the big question. I don't know if the Dolphins are going to go for somebody with that little bit of experience. Uh, but again, they do. Are, they are going to probably go for somebody more on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, that was probably if Flores had a weakness, it was uh, the, they really couldn't get a good a good offensive coordinator and a good offensive plan going. Uh, you know, they, they never built up the offensive line, and those are things they need. They need a better identity offensively than what they've got. Brian Dable, who was at Alabama, he was the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban there. He's now the offensive coordinator of the Bills. Uh, yeah, I think they. I think they've asked to speak with him, haven't they? Uh, or, I'm not sure. So we'll we'll see we'll see about that. You know, they they. I think if somebody could develop to it, could be somebody like him. He's done a great job, you know, developing Josh Allen. Now, if you're going to go the recycling bin. To me, this is the guy that would stand out, Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl with the Eagles and uh, then got fired there. Um, he's, he's my number one choice. If if I had to say, who would I pick? It's a former Dolphin quarterback. Former Dolphin quarterback, former Super Bowl winner, good offensive mind. Uh, I would pick him if I got to choose. Uh, and so I think he'd be a great, and that's why the Dolphins aren't going to get him. <laughs> <laughs> and then here's another guy from the recycling bin that – I, I I would think that this would not be a good choice. Jim Caldwell, you know, he's 66 years old, and he's been a head coach. Uh, he won Super Bowls as an assistant with the Colts and the Ravens, but I just that would not be my choice. What, what do you think? Uh, you know, the media is 
uh, in South Florida anyway, uh, is just pumping Caldwell up like he is the answer. Why? Uh, I'm not well. Look, he is a good coach, and uh, good. yeah, he is. He's definitely a good coach, and he'll, he'll stabilize the situation there. And you could argue that he could help to develop Tua better than somebody like Flores could, who we're still not sure if Brian Flores supported Tua or wants Deshaun Watson. You know, the key to that is going to be see if Flores ends up at Houston and Watson stays there. <laughs> if that happens, then we'll know that maybe Ross uh, wasn't lying to us about about, about uh, the uh, philosophical differences he, he, that they, they had in, in the front office of the Dolphins. Uh, but I, Caldwell is older. Um, he wouldn't be there for very long. You know, the, the Dolphins have an opportunity. They were, do you think where they were two or three years ago when Flores started and they, they tore everything apart and they built it back up and they had a very solid team. You know, they were, if Tua doesn't get hurt, you know, he was nine and four in games that he either started or played the majority of snaps. What they start off, was it one and seven? One and seven because they won the first game, then he got hurt really early in the second game and then missed the next three games after that. So that's four games right there that he just outright missed. And then... He didn't play as much in the game after that. But like I said, as the starter or the or the player who played the majority of snaps at quarterback, Dolphins were 9-4. and four. He, They were, and they won 10 games last year. This was a good team with a really, really good young defense. And, you know, they still have that. But, you know, what's going to happen? The biggest weakness they had, offensive line, and, and until they got Duke Johnson, they really didn't have a go-to running back. And... Uh, you know, hurricane. Huh? Yeah. Oh, he was really great in the last month of the season. And and you know, that's the thing with running backs is you don't really want to draft one high, but you need to go out there because they're out there. They're always good running backs out on the yeah. market, like Leonard Fournette and, and guys like that. There, uh, or uh, Le'Veon Bell. You know, there's there's guys like that out there. So you don't want to use your draft picks on somebody uh, high on a running back. But you, you know where you do want to do it is on the offensive line, and the Dolphins yeah. have done a really bad job. And those guys developing tend to be around eight, ten, fifteen years sometimes. Yeah. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Maybe you have an opinion. And the Jaguars are also in the market for a head football coach. I believe that Leftwich is more likely to end up there than at the Dolphins. Uh, Leftwich used to quarterback the Jaguars a little bit. Uh, uh, The the owner, I think, really likes him. And uh, uh, I see that being a good fit. But it's the Jaguars, so they'll probably go some retreat. Yeah, well, Shad <laughs> Khan should stay out of this. I mean, he hired Urban Meyer, and you just didn't – that just didn't seem like it was going to work. didn't seem like a fit. And, you know, with Urban Meyer's personality, losing one game really bothers him. You knew you were going to lose a lot of games with a young team like that. With a young team, they they needed somebody who's who is um, – well, they're young pro pro players too. You know, yeah, they they, they, they probably could have used a coach like Flores. You know, somebody who was who would give them structure and discipline. Uh, you know, somebody from the Belichick tree, as it were. Um, you know, that he would have done a good job. Byron Leftwich would do would do a good job. Uh, like you mentioned, Bianami. Uh, they would all have done good jobs as opposed to a, a college coach learning the professional game. You know, it's it's sort of. I understand why coaches, especially successful college coaches, think that way, but it's not an easy transition. You think of of who who has made the successful transition from the college to the program. There's very few people. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, who was probably just a 
pro coach who was who was learning the ropes in yeah. college to begin with. He had a pro mentality to begin with. And, uh, you know, Pete Carroll was actually an unsuccessful pro coach and went back to college and became successful, then went back to the pros and became successful. So, you know, guys like guys like uh, Carroll who are adaptable, you know, uh, can can do both. But, you know, successful college coaches tend to be, this is the way I do things. This well, is, Barry this Switzer is, won a Super Bowl. Yeah, well, how long did he last? A year or two? <laughs> yeah. He's sort of, well, but Switzer. I mean, he inherited quite a team, but he still won the Super Bowl. Well, Switzer's the kind of coach who could do it, too, because he knew how to stay out of the player's way. Yeah. Let, let them, because Johnson was exactly the same, you know, let the players run wild. It, it was it was chaos in Miami when he was coaching Show there. Show up on <laughs> Sunday and win. Yeah, yeah all right. Huh? Just win. So he treated them like play uh, professional players to begin with. So, so he and Switzer had had the right mentality for that. But guys like Urban Meyer and Nick Saban, who are used to being kings, you know that's not how it works in the NFL. The coach is not the no. king. He's, and the motivational he's the factors are different. You can't go in there with the rah rah speech. That doesn't work in the NFL like it might in college. And like you say, you know, in college, you have a lot of leverage over the players. You really don't in the NFL. No, very little. Uh, your job basically is, is, to, um, is to oversee everything, to make sure everything is running smoothly because, you know, the NFL players are, are tight with their position coaches. And, uh, you, you know, the, the, the head coach is, you, you think about it, is the, uh, the, the guy in, in charge of the other coaches and the organization on the field but even he isn't the the main guy. Who is the main guy? So he's the general manager or the owner. So the uh, it, it's it's definitely a different mindset and skill set. And your job is to work with the players and not to rule over them. And uh, uh, it's not you know maybe that was in the early days of the NFL. Maybe that's how it was. Where, where coaches were coaches and and they they ruled and they they were the law. But that ended. 50 years ago, you know, yeah. there's uh, uh, guys who can adapt uh, s- stuck around longer and those who didn't were eventually replaced. You know, it's well, a lot of credit to guys like uh, uh, Chula, Noel, Landry, who transitioned from one era of coaching into the modern era. And they did it pretty smoothly by, uh, by understanding that, you know, get the best out of your players uh you know, even without uh, uh, one, the old way with the iron fist, the way Shuli used to rule, and then, but even later, he even understood how to give them more freedom and, yeah. and more control. And you know, I read an interesting article about Tom Landry, and this is one of the differences. You know, he, he was always so stoic on the sideline, and nothing seemed to ruffle the guy. And the reason was that Tom Landry flew a B seventeen bomber in World War Two over Germany, thirty missions. And survived it, and so you know, with not making that fourth and one isn't quite as important <laughs> as bringing ten guys home on that B seventeen bomber. And I think he was like seventeen years old when he did that. You know, this seventeen year old kid, he's piloting a B seventeen bomber. You know, you've got ten other guys on that plane, and you're responsible for their lives. And he's flying missions over Germany <laughs> and uh, dropping bombs. And this was. Earlier in the war when, you know, the, the German Air Force was pretty strong back then. The Luftwaffe was a lot stronger then than it was later in the air. But they were the, disciplined you know, guys. War. You know, they wouldn't they would go to a bar after a game. And, no, they, <laughs> and, they wouldn't. Like, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. 
You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Talk Radio 96.7, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. And actually both of them in the studio without one of them on the phone. Somebody take a picture of this. This is history. The Ozone tonight brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. It's our distinct pleasure to have with us the West Central Florida Multi-Area Director of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Mr. Mark Wilson. Mark, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's, it's, it's really a privilege. Well, I'll tell you what, you were a lifelong bulldog, first a frost-proof bulldog, and then a Georgia bulldog. And, uh, Mark, you have a great story to tell about when Coach Dooley was recruiting you and he told you he was going to throw the football more. Tell that story, if you would. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you're right. I played uh, my high school ball at Frostproof, which was, uh, you know, quite a great experience for me. I played under the great Ferris Brandon and Gary Garrett and a bunch of other coaches down there that were just incredible. And, um, yeah, we threw it around a little bit down there and uh, so coach duty comes recruiting and you know obviously our your big concern when you know about georgia back in those days was it was a uh, tower eye football and uh so that was one of my first questions coach are we gonna throw the ball and he said yeah yeah we're gonna throw it with guys like you and quarterbacks like matt robinson and ray goff that are coming <laughs> in and we had gene washington and butch box and a bunch of other good receivers that were recruited in that class and so he convinced me, and uh, I played, you know, up there for four years. And and at, after our last game in the Sugar Bowl against Pitt, uh, said Coach Dooley, you you said we were going to throw. He said, Yeah, but I didn't say how many times. <laughs> <laughs> oh and, man! Well, Mark, I, I know. I know. Living down here amongst all these Gator fans. Especially over in Frostproof, you've probably taken a lot of ribbing over Georgia in the 41 years. What did it mean to you for Georgia to win that national championship that they hadn't won since 1980? Oh, man, it was, you know, get the monkey off our back, you know, type of thing. I mean, it was just because uh, we'd been so close several times and and Alabama had been, you know, the opposing team. Um, and, and what a great program Coach Saban has built there. I mean, just incredible to, to watch them year in and year out just reload you know they don't rebuild they just reload and uh, you know so so to beat them and and i and i think the best team won uh, last week I, I think georgia you know obviously came in with a great game plan executed well played hard uh, beat a great football team so mark you talked about the jinx that you seem to have against alabama it was much the same with your georgia bulldogs over my florida gators back in the 70s when you were playing and in 1975 you mentioned Richard uh, Appleby and uh, or you mentioned Washington uh, played with you was in your recruiting class and of course the famous Appleby to Washington or was it Washington to Appleby I guess uh, I think Washington got the touchdown didn't he Yeah I, I think that's correct <laughs> yeah. in 1975 and the Gators were leading seven three and you thought it was 48 to three and uh, <clears throat> tell us about that play were you in the game on that play Yeah well yeah we had been practicing that all week and, and actually we've been practicing it both ways um richard appleby was a, was a tight end and he actually threw better going to his right so that's how it ended up get, getting called with that formation and uh 
and Richard threw a dime. And, of course, Gene Washington was a world-class sprinter, so I knew if he, if he didn't drop the ball, it was going to be a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> and he caught it, and, and, and the rest is history, so to speak. But, you know, uh, you probably recall that was a real muddy muddy track. It, was rain, it rained a lot several days before, and so that's why the score was as low as it was, too. But, uh, yeah, that was quite a thrilling, thrilling play. Yeah. Well, well, uh, Mark, uh, Coach Joe here. Uh, it was a, a thrilling win for the uh, Bulldogs uh, this past week, and you know, uh, Vince Dooley, your old coach, who's been on our show before, great guy. Uh, he was up in the uh, in the booth watching watching the Bulldogs uh, win for the first time since 1980, and in fact, they kind of went old school, didn't they, to win the game? Uh, um, mostly running in really strong defense, with the occasional uh, big big play, uh, big passing play. Sort of like they uh, uh, turned back the clock where all these past few years the national champion has been a lighted-up offensive team. Uh, Georgia won it with defense. Yeah, you know, Kirby, Kirby Smart has built a heck of a program there. And, you know, uh, recruiting those five, four- and five-star athletes year in, year out over the last, you know, six, eight years is, is really starting to show up. And, and, again, as I said before, we've been close. You know, Alabama broke our hearts when Tua came in. Uh, a few years ago and dropped that dime on us, uh, you know, after a 26-yard sack uh, loss, you know, uh, and he a freshman, I'm thinking he's he's going to be shook, and he steps back <laughs> and, you know, unloads a beautiful pass there. And, of course, the receiver, as it's turned out, was ultimately a Heisman Trophy winner as well. But, yeah, I mean, two, two heavyweights, you know, going, going toe-to-toe. Um, we – when we played him in the SEC championship game, we just simply didn't rush Bryce Young hard enough and often enough. Uh, he's such a great player. And, and they like all the greats, the Bradys and Drew Brees. And you're not going to beat them if you let them stand back there and, and survey the field and pick you apart. And that's what he, that's what he did in the SEC game. Um, so I was, I was hoping Coach uh, Smart and, and the team and the group would, would really put some pressure on him. And they did. They did a great job. Uh, rushing him and and i had a couple key players missing but you know what a lot of people don't know we did too you know georgia's had their number one receiver was out most all year um and so yeah that that that's part of the game it happens and and but i was i was pleased with the game plan uh, and the execution yeah, yeah no no doubt um mark um you are the director area director of the fellowship christian athletes talk a little bit about your organization yeah, well, thank you, Ron. Yeah, uh, about 10 years ago, um, God put it on my heart to take over this area as a director for, for FCA. Uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes is uh, 68 years old this year, that we're start, starting our 68th year wow. of ministry, arguably the, the largest and, and oldest sports ministry in the world. Uh, we went international about eight years ago, seven years ago, and I think we're in 110 countries now, too, um, sharing the love of Jesus through the world of sport. Um, our objective is to is to basically to reach out at, at, to coaches and athletes and 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 through relationship building and, and serving them in other capacities. Hopefully, uh, be able to share Jesus with them. Well, you know, um, you've raised a fine son in Paul Wilson, who was a uh, Lakeland dreadnought and then a Florida Gator, and um, you know he was gracious enough to come out with your grandson Trey. Uh, I coach Coach Joe and I both coach at um, Highland Park Christian Church there, and um, he came out and spoke to our flag football team one time, and he brought his championship rings. And man, he had those kids eating out of his hand, 
and he was a great benefactor for the Lord that day. He, he told some great stories, and uh, you did a great job of raising him. Now, he doesn't give you a hard time about the Gators and the Bulldogs, does he? We have some fun times. <laughs> My wife likes to sit back and watch, she said, because when Paul and I are watching it together, one of the other of us on every single play, either mad at the refs or mad at the play call or whatever. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's, it's kind of a funny, funny dynamic. But, uh, yeah, I'm proud of Paul. He, he had a tough go at Florida. He ended up with four surgeries in two years. So it's uh, just never could quite get untracked up there. Uh, as far as that was concerned, but he played on uh, obviously the national championship football team and and two uh, baseball teams that ended up going to the World Series and uh, f- falling a little bit short, finished in the finals, but uh, uh, got got runner up. But uh, yeah, he had a he had a, a an interesting career at Florida, but yeah, we have some fun when that game, when the, when those guys tie up. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, know, you know, Mark, so often when we interview people on the show, uh, it's success, successful athletes and, and, and persons like yourself that you find that the fellowship of Christian athletes has been a big part of, of their success. And, and I'm, I'm curious about that, going back to, into the 70s and, and even now with your son and later on. Uh, is that where you uh, sort of developed uh, that sort of uh, camaraderie with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes? Was it in college? Was it through Coach Dooley? Was it later in life, or was it earlier? Yeah, well, yeah, for me, it was later. Um, honestly, I I just have to be honest. I was a kind of a heathen in college, um, <laughs> and uh, we did have an FCA chapter, and some of the great guys that you guys may remember that played up there were were involved, but, but I, I wish I could say I was, but I wasn't. Um, the Lord tapped on my shoulder at, at 33 years old and, um, you know, just through some great mentors in my life and, and people that poured into me, um, that, you know, that's where, where it came from for me. And of course, with Paul, uh, he was raised in the church, um, and, and, and certainly, um, you know, has known the Lord for a long time. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, kind of the story there, but FCA, uh, started in 1954 with a guy named Don McClannan, who was a basketball coach and had a dream that said, you know what, if athletes can sell cigarettes and, and other items, why couldn't they sell the Lord if they believed in him? And um, and he, he got a hold of some guys named Bob Feller and, and a few other people like that and ultimately had a meeting with a guy named Branch Rickey. Yeah. Who, as y'all probably know, was the uh, was the man that owned the, the then Brooklyn Dodgers who brought Jackie Robinson into the league. Um, and, uh, he, he gave him 30 minutes that day. And that 30 minute meeting turned into about a three hour meeting. Uh, Branch Ricky was just infatuated with this idea. And so he was our first donor, major donor, and the rest is history. So no kidding. Bob Feller, um, before he passed away was on the show twice with us here. Yeah. Great guy. Uh, uh, Carl Erskine, you guys may remember him. Brooklyn Dodgers. FCA guy, um, Steve Sloan, who played quarterback at Alabama and ultimately was a lot, was a coach in college for a while. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of them back in the day that, uh, that helped, uh, launch FCA, I guess, if you will, into, uh, ultimately what it's become today. Yeah. I remember Steve Sloan well, and, uh, he went on, he coached at Duke, didn't he? That sounds right. Seems yeah. like he was the head coach at Duke. Well, how is Paul's singing career going? I know he wanted to get into music, 
And uh, how's I haven't seen him in a little while. How's he doing? Oh wow, yeah, no, he uh, he he's doing well. He's writing he's writing some songs now, which is kind of kind of neat. Uh, in fact, Ron, he just did one um, a few months ago that Lakeland High School just went crazy over. It's called Legends of Friday Night, and it and he did a video the company that. In fact, I'll send it to you. Um, but it, he did a they did a great job with it and. Lakeland actually played it on the jumbotron on a couple of the games last, last part of the year, but he had a lot of highlights from the Rainey and the Jamar Taylor and 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 Ahmad Black and and, and all those guys that they played with the Pounces. Um, he got some highlights, some clip, clip, film clip highlights, and and put together a real cool video that, that accompanied the song. So yeah, it's, please it's do neat. send that to me. I'd love to see that. And uh, please tell him hello. And Mark, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy guy. And we really appreciate you being with us tonight. And uh, your Bulldogs broke my heart back there in 1975. I was at that game, and, man, that was hard to take. But uh, congratulations on your Bulldogs winning the national championship. Thanks a lot, Ron. Thanks for having me, and and I am proud of them. Go dogs! All right. Congratulations, Mark. Thanks for joining us. All right. Mark Wilson, he's the multi-area director of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Drew Howard, Director of Athletics at Florida Southern College. You're listening to Coach Joe and Ronnie O on the Ozone. Thanks for listening and go Mock. Hey, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in here every Thursday from 8 until 9 talking sports in the Ozone. They're not being watched. They're being listened to. The Ozone tonight brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. I know right now your dialing fingers are itching. Your stomach is growling. You're parched, and you can't wait for that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. All right, I'm hungry already. I'm hungry. Clarkster, yeah, I'm starving. <laughs> Clarkster, you guys are academically ineligible. Here. Oh, you cannot man. win. You cannot win here. But there's so much good football on this weekend. Oh, no, there's so much good food out there. <laughs> yeah, All right. Feasting on wings probably every day. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't won the last six months, here you go. The question is, in 1980, who was Georgia's quarterback that won the national championship? Was it A, Buck Ballou, B, Herschel Walker, or C, Fran Tarkenton? If you know the answer, give us a call, 682-1430. at 682-1430, and you could be going out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House armed and dangerous with that $30 gift certificate. Gator it, fans of a certain age know exactly who the answer is. Oh, yeah, they one. certainly do. It's burned into their minds. <laughs> they certainly do, without a doubt. Well, i tell you what. You need to get out to the ale house, even if you don't win. We got a hungry bulldog calling in right now, but um, man, it's, they're located every at dog has its day. Right? There you go. <laughs> they're located at fifty six fifty South Florida Avenue. They have those forty strategically located television sets and drinking meal specials every night of the week. So your thirty dollars will go a long way, as long as you don't invite Eric to go with you. Hey, <laughs> all right, Terry, how are you tonight? I'm all right. How are you? You hungry and thirsty? Uh, always. All right. <laughs> now, 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 Terry, tell, tell us who you root for. Uh, let's say Buck Balloon. Oh, <laughs> you're exactly right. You're exactly Good. right. All right, for bonus points, uh, who did he throw to in 1980 on that famous 90-3-yard touchdown pass? 
to I beat have us. No idea. That's okay. I have no idea. <laughs> That's okay. Good that you don't know it. Yeah. He, the rest he, of us are scarred it. from knowing that. Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott. Hey, listen. No, no. He threw to David Bowden. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, it was uh, Lindsey oh. Scott, who was very fast and caught the ball around oh, the twenty-six wow. yard line and ran it the rest of the way right past. Yeah, all our Tim guys. Groves yeah. fell down our safety. Mm-hmm. I remember that, and it was all over at that. And we almost sacked Baloo in the end zone for a safety. I know he j- barely got out. He almost stumbled and fell. Yeah, you know, but he didn't throw that much either. Uh, that was a, a game and a, and a team that just handed the ball to Herschel over and over again, and he got yeah. lots of yards. But uh, that's all they had to do. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Except when we had them down there, third and, and long from their own seven yard line. Oh well, but now you know, Senator Senator Walker now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got, got a good chance. He's he's a really really uh, good. Uh, at, uh, at you know, at uh, espousing the issues, we've been dying to have him on the show. But you know, he's he might be too yeah. big for us. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Eric needs to work a little harder at that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If Eric could get off the wallet, you know, he could buy it. He'd buy some time for Herschel Walker. He could fly his Learjet up there and pick him up and bring him down here, have him in studio. <laughs> what do you think I'm made of? There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, what do uh, you think of the championship game, Terry? Oh, I tell you. I couldn't go to bed until Georgia scored that last touchdown. <laughs> Were you yelling I mean, at him to get amazing. down like uh, Coach Smart was? Or, get down, get down. He says, no, I'm running all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man. I, that, was a, that was a classic. Yeah, it was. It was pretty ugly in the first half and then uh, got oh, a lot more exciting in the second half. Boy, they turned it around, didn't they? They did. Oh, it comes down to one or two plays, and the Georgia receivers made them. The Alabama receivers didn't. And uh, uh, credit credit also to Bennett, that quarterback, who I you know believed was the biggest weakness on the on the team, and and he wouldn't play oh, well sure. for three quarters, but he yeah. played very well in the fourth quarter. That 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 was it. That, that's that's what it doesn't matter. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Huh? How you finish? Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, now, now Georgia, great defense. Uh, they're almost historically good. Uh, now LSU had that historically good offense two years ago, and and they now they're kind of mediocre. Now, but Georgia, you think they're going to continue to get strong, have another great defense next year, and maybe even better offensively? Well, listen, they keep getting the four star and five star players to you know go with Georgia, so I, I think they're going to be tough again. Yeah, I'm hoping that Caleb Williams doesn't transfer from Oklahoma to Georgia because that would really <laughs> set him up. <laughs> oh man! And you know, actually, Bennett can't, he's eligible to come back for another year because of COVID. I think he will. I mean, he's not going to the NFL. I don't think he's an NFL no, quarterback. No. But no, he's not. Well, it make a lot of sense for him to come back, uh, unless he has something else. To do and like you said, I don't think that he's an NFL type quarterback. Um, no. So yeah, if I were him, I'd be coming back. And how much money? How much NIL money you think he could command in Atlanta and Athens? And you know, he'll never buy another. He'll never pick up another tab in a restaurant as long as he That's lives. That's why. <laughs> That's why he'll come back. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he probably should. Well, Terry, hang on the line, and uh, we'll get your information, and we'll send you out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, and you can eat and drink $30 worth on us. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, All right. guys.
Thank you so much. Good job, Terry. You know, when you All talked right. about Caleb Williams coming back to Georgia, I almost choked on my water. There. <laughs> <laughs> I just barely make it through the end of the show. <laughs> Sorry about that, Coach Joe. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, you hope that doesn't happen, but I tell you, they recruited so well. They've got – say Bennett comes back, you got a five-star quarterback behind him on the bench, and you got um, – I don't know if JT Daniels can come back or not, but um, – they're just so loaded at every position. They're like three deep at every position. And you just hope that maybe some of their crumbs would fall off the table and the Gators could get a few of them. Yeah, they'll be good again next year. Uh, it'll be tough for the com- competitors. Yeah, the ball didn't always bounce your way, though.